Good morning, Cornerstone Church. I'm Pastor Bill. And just a note for those of you who think I can't cook, Marla, my wife, will be back on Thursday. So if you come to Gifts and Calling and Pastor's Kids Missionary Kid, you get Marla's food. If you know, you know. All right. Um, it's, my, it's my privilege to introduce our guest speakers this morning. Um, we are in the middle of a three-week series um, of looking at global missions. We're listening to the mission stories of this generation of people connected to Cornerstone and either have attended here at Cornerstone or people that we have supported financially um, in global missions as a church. And so our theme verse for the series is Acts 1.8. I mentioned this last week, where Jesus said that power will come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So one of the goals of this three-week series is that all of us would start to own and craft our own mission story. We don't want missions to be something that we think somebody else does in the kingdom of God. Our prayer is that we will all begin to craft our own mission story where we are more effective witnesses to Jesus in those three, in those three circles, locally, regionally, and to the ends of the earth. So our guest speakers this morning, um, Patrick and Tip Boonrang and Grace Shim, together the three of them are the Asia coordinators for Serve Globally, which is the global missions arm of our denomination, the Covenant Church. Patrick and Tip live in, in Thailand, and they, they, how many missionaries do you coordinate? All right, they coordinate with 25 missionaries throughout Asia. Um, Pat and Tip are also involved in a ministry in Chiang Mai, a music ministry to the handicapped. And then Grace Shim lives with her husband in the Middle East, and she is a licensed therapist that works with the mental health and, and care for missionaries around the world. And she's going to share some things that I think are really going to help us with our spiritual well-being and our own mental health in the era of COVID. So Pat and Tip come first, or Pat's coming first, and then Tip, and then Grace will come. Thank you. Hey, good morning, uh, Cornerstone Church. I'm so glad to be here. And I heard about your uh, church for a long time but, uh, today. I just want to share about uh, uh, my testimony and maybe challenge you a little bit. But uh, yeah, I just want to thank God that, uh, you know, to be young again with uh, a lot of young people here. And yeah. You know what? Uh, before before I became a Christian, I was a Buddhist monk, and I was the. Uh, I feel I feel like uh, when I was the um, um, a youth ministry, and uh, when I watch our youth uh, uh, ministry, that is so good to 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 be around with the youth people. Yeah, and I uh, now I am served a lot with a uh, global. But before that, uh, I was a Buddhist monk. Before I know Christ, I was a Buddhist monk before, and I was a Buddhist club president at my university in, in this is a top university in Thailand. But I remember exactly that when the people came to share the gospel to me, it's the uh, first time that I heard about Jesus Christ back to almost uh, 30 years ago. But that's the first time in my life that I heard. Of, I just tell that. Uh, because you know that in Thailand is far away from the, it's a lot of people, it's like 90, 95, 97% is a, is a Buddhist, it's, a, it's just a 0.5% is a Christian. Well, a lot of people doesn't know Christ. I remember that, that uh, one day, that, um, one guy, he came, from, he came from California, he came to, to my university and he asked me the, uh, in my the, um, um, table and he asked me, what is your name? And I said, my, my name is Patrick. Do you know Jesus Christ? I said, 
maybe he studied engineering next door. You can find him there. I said, what? And he, he just shocked. But I don't know, because I grew up with a Buddhist, uh, everything is Buddhist, Buddhist. But until one day, I turned to Christ, and I learned so much. And I think that this is a, a big change in my life. And you know what? Uh, this is very good when I remember that when uh, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5, uh, 17, said, uh, if anyone is in Christ, uh, uh, you are creation, uh, the, the creation, and the, the old has gone, the new has come, and I'm changed a lot uh, during that time. And uh, yeah, and from that time, there's God calling me to serving God. Even I'm still a new believer, it is a big challenge for me. And I have to uh, uh, sacrifice myself because I've got a scholarship uh, from my university to go abroad uh, to study. And all of my friends from, from the music uh, department came over here in Boston. And I'm so glad to be here in Boston. And I, I went and I see the, uh, uh, um, you know, Berkeley the department, Berkeley Music's up there. I was like, wow, I should be here. But all of my friends here. But I'd say no. And I served the Lord. We kept up for Christ for, for many years until... God, until now, God's still faithful to my life. And thank you so much for uh, to pray. And thank you, God, that uh, God brought us here. And now I just want to encourage you to, uh, to think that when, when I made a decision to, to serve the Lord, that one of my disciples, uh, my, my mentor, just challenged me, Patrick, if you want to serve the Lord, yeah, you don't need to uh, be the, until you the, know everything. But you just be hot Christian and fat Christian. Am I hot? Am I hot? Am I fat? He said, no, no, no. Hot Christians mean that you have, to, uh, you know, the acronym. Hot is mean, uh, the first one is like, H is a bit, uh, stand for humble. You just humble. If you humble, the God will use you when you humble. And O is a obedience. You have to obey God. And you have to teach uh, people, uh, you have to be uh, like a teachable people. Is that the, the hot one? And the fat one is it's, uh, faithful and available and teachable uh, and, and trustworthy. I think that two things that uh, remind me that until now, I'm served the Lord for a long time. And God used me until that time to this time. And I used to be the Buddhist and I uh, uh, worship many gods in my country. But now I worship the only one God. And I just want to thank God, and I want uh, to pass to my wife uh, to share a little bit uh, and encourage you a little bit. If you have any questions, uh, just uh, uh, come and, and say hi and ask me more on that, okay? Thank you. Hi. I want to say Pastor Bill's house has a lot of good snacks I never tried before. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Bill. <laughs> Wonderful, too nice there. Well, you don't, if you don't want to miss it, go there. I love it. I love it. I almost finished everything on the table. He said everything you can eat. Okay. Um, just, just like my husband, he, he was a monk. He was a Buddhist uh, president club. He led over 40 universities in Bangkok to do meditation um, every two months. And one day he came to know the Lord because of one sentence, the same sentence I heard that if you pray to receive Christ, your name will be written in heaven. We have never been taught at all. We have been uh, value people who do good, and I, I came from that background, and I have many uh, worshipped uh, idols to worship, but this intense make me feel like how oh, Christian feels so confident you can go to right to heaven, and it is not fair. I don't know him, Jesus, and he died for me. Who is he? 
but this sentence erased everything because I was a, a liar. I was a good girl, but inside I know I lie a lot, and people believe me I'm good at that. And <laughs> and one day I felt tired, and I I felt like sit in the corner. I felt like why I have to give excuses. Sometimes I do things right, I still give excuses. It's not fair. But many times I did wrong, I still say I didn't do it. And um, I, I felt tired of try to be good. And what I want to do, I did not do it. And what I did not want to do, I, I really did it. I'm a, I'm a lawbreaker. So, um, and um, <clears throat> why, why I come to know Jesus? Because I want my name to be written in heaven. I don't want to die. What, people of my generation, we know if you do sin, if you lie, you'll be thrown into the ocean of vomit. And I, did, I couldn't swim at that time at the age of 16. And I had it. And then until one day, there's a doctor told me about God. And then two years, you've been telling me because my mom is the food uh, carrier to uh, next to my school when I was in, in primary school. And after school, I helped my mom selling food at the clinic where it's, there was only one Christian. And she's different. What changed my mind my, my, my to pray to receive Christ was, I want to be like her. Why she's so sincere? She doesn't have to put masks on and tell people she's a good person. She never says she's good. But I felt like she has freedom to say, to love, to forgive, because people in her uh, clinic um, backbiting. I heard everything. I was a little girl, so people see me go to the clinic to sell my mom's food in, in her office. I hear everything, what people talk about her. And I went into her room. It's different. She, she never... Um, like have a uh, revenge or anger. So she told me God changed her life. And I want to know Jesus because of that. I want to be a person who has freedom to be myself, to smile, to laugh very loud. In my culture, women cannot laugh very loud with wide mouth open. <laughs> and the Thai man will not consider marry me. <laughs> and, and because of that, to make it short, like um, I, I learned that for, for Buddhism, they do good because just for themselves, and it's good. They are good people. I love them. I was Buddhist before. They, we learned that we have to do good so we can receive uh, the good consequence. But when I come to know Jesus by praying to have Jesus in my life, we, I felt like I, I was a liar. First time after I prayed to receive Christ, I lie as usual. And I felt so heavy inside, and I felt like, what's happened? And on and on, I felt like this is not a cold incident, and then I, I just... Pray to God to check, and then this morning, I, in the morning I pray, and God, if I uh, swear or lie, um, sip my mouth. I want, I want to know if you are the person who is real and, and change me. <clears throat> uh, that same day, my older brother, he smoked, and then he just put the ashes on me when I was watching TV, and then I just stood up, I stood up, and then with anger, and I'm Automatically, I don't have to think. I just blow whatever that is cursing. That morning, my older brother stared at my face. I stared at him, and he waited for me to curse because I'll be spanked by that for sure. I, I knew that I'm a Christian. I should not, but my nature, I will just curse. And then he, he and me just stand, stare at each other. He was disappointed. But I, I was like, why I have to think? Everything is blank. <laughs> My brain is washed, so that's how I become a Christian. So many more, many more, many more. I'm glad I was, um, like, 
if I can join the Yakuza gang, I'll join. So I think God used the bad people like me and nasty girl to be me today. I see totally change. It's like my husband say, um, uh, Second Corinthians five seventeen, we we become a new creation. And I was so like, I cannot lie anymore. And today I speak so straightforward. I have to learn not to offend my own people because our people just go around the bush. So I have to add smile more when I talk. So, so I see totally many change. Why I do mission? Stephanie asked me. My, my family is poor and then I study English. I want to be a journalist. That's my dream job. Good morning, Thailand on TV. I'll be famous because I was not beautiful. Um, so people will know me because of my um, um, capability or my, my coolness when I speak in English. Uh, on TV in Thailand where people speak Thai every day, everywhere I see the Thai uh, sign and people are learn, uh, yearning to learn English. But um, <clears throat> after I finished four years <laughs> in my English major, I, I have one, one verse in, came up in mind, say all work will be tested by fire, there will be two things left. That is the word of God and the soul. And the soul will go to, to places in, for eternal um, heaven, be in heaven for eternal or go to hell. And for Buddhists, I know. People know for the first place, no matter how good they are, how much money they pay to help people or build a temple, they will go to hell first. So at that moment, I felt like, man, my first job I got, I worked for three days and I resigned. And my, I, she said, why? I said, I want to be a missionary. She said, aren't you thinking you're stupid? Because this job is not exist in this world anymore. And I felt like, I quit boss. My boss is, is a Christian, and she done business, and she's so kind. And after I quit, I work uh, <clears throat> 50 cents a day, uh, per hour. Uh, and then... What challenge I could give to you? Uh, every day when I go out, after I join uh, Camera Crusade for Christ, working with the students, my office is supposed to be in the air conditioning room, not the heater like in America. And my country is so hot. Um, well, I see people need to know God every day. And for 14 years, I resigned because we showed up leaders, spiritual leaders, people, people, many come, but a few obeys. That is true, but in some way it's not true. People want to grow in their walk with God, but we show the people to teach them. And I'm glad you have people like uh, the worship team here. Um, I, I hear all the um, Sunday school or classes to help you grow. Thailand, we don't have that. Uh, it took me 14 years to grow because a little by little, missionary or a pastor from years ago, and then I, I volunteered to translate so Thai people can understand the message. Um, yeah. If you want to grow, keep worship God. Learn more worship, not only stand here and worship on Sunday, to confess your sin every day. Three, tell people why you believe in God. That can build your character of being leaders and looking for someone that you can help them grow in their walk with God. If you're not expert, you don't know, bring them to church. Or snack at Pastor Bill's house, it's so good. (laughs) 
And the last message before my husband will summarize everything that we share in a song that the, the Thai Christian composed this. If anybody have not known God personally, please, I have thousands of God to worship before, and there is only one true God that no one compare with him, that is Jesus. When I say this, I want to cry because I've been worshiped many gods. Really, nobody answered me. Um, but they are good. I mean, I am told that they are all good. Yeah. But this God, Jesus, has power to help. And friends, um, or tell your friends my last message. If anybody wants to convert it to be Buddhist, it is not a good idea. I have tried before. You don't have to work hard. Love Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. And whatever activity that help you grow, be fat and hot, Christian. Thank you. Uh, I just want to tell you one thing. Uh, you know, uh, I became a Christian because one thing that I learned is that uh, uh, Christian is not a religion, but Christian is a relationship with God personal. That we never have experienced that when we were with this. And until one day we know that, that we worship the, the great God, and our God that we worship, he's a mighty king, and he's a great God, and so we have a relationship with him personal. That's one, that's why we just want to, to say that uh, when we turn to Christ, that's just like, it's like everything is changed, and, and it's like amazing. But uh, this song that uh, we, we're going to sing, uh, the song is a Thai, uh, it's Thai in English, though, but uh, this is uh, uh, all to summarize our, our uh, uh, testimony. We're going to sing this song for all of you. This morning, um, and I don't know if there's a PowerPoint as up. The I just want to make a few points this morning, and um, in the remaining time that we have, and this comes partially out of my own uh, just journey over this last couple years through the pandemic, and also journey of a life of what does it mean to follow Jesus into this world. Um, as you know, I'm a mental health therapist, and I enjoy just providing care for missionaries. And I don't know if you guys know this, but missionaries are pretty broken people. And there is just brokenness around the world today in so many ways. And so Acts 1.8, right, says that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is a declaration, right, that we will be his witnesses, that he tells us how to do this. It's local, I mean, and Pastor Bill said regional and global. It's local and global. But I think the key thing about this verse is that you have to know where the center is. What is the center from which you are speaking this verse? Now, growing up, I've always been here, this United States. I'm going to go to the uttermost ends of the earth. And that was always Asia, Africa, right? Those are the parts that I used to think. But now that I live in Asia, I realize that that's also the center that when the Christians in Asia, when those of us who know Jesus in Asia, as we sit there in Thailand and Korea or the Philippines, wherever we might be, India, we look out to our Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and you know what? The ends of the earth is actually here, the United States, the West. You are the ends of the earth for so many in the world. And there are churches and people throughout the world that are praying for this country in a time of where much prayer is needed. So it really matters where the center is of this. And so we say then, many people say in the mission world, that mission is no longer west to east, global north to global south. Mission is from everywhere to everywhere. 
And when you see, you know, people like Patrick and Tip, you know, they come here and their hearts break for what's happening here. And so I just want you to just remember that all of our mission life is not always about going there, but it's what's happening here, wherever that center may be and into the world. And God calls us to both. He calls us to be missional where we are, and he calls us to be missional into the world. So our lives should always be about the local and the global, always. It's not something that we do later in life. That's what he's called us to as his witnesses. And so I have found that in counseling, that one of the primary ways of being missional and and showing and demonstrating the gospel into the world is actually through counseling care, through mental health care. And so Isaiah 61 is one of my like life passages right now in this season, where it talks about the fact that the Lord has anointed me, right? The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. And the way that Isaiah defines good news there is to bind up the brokenhearted. If you read through the whole passage, you'll see. To bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve. There's also a section about releasing prisoners from darkness. And I can think of no better way than to do that is than through the care of people. Specifically for me, it's counseling care. That when we care for those who are around us, we are actually living out the gospel in their lives. That's what we do. And is there ever a time then now when you look around the world where there is a hurting world out there on your campuses, in your dorms, in your apartments, in your neighborhoods, in your classes, this is a time when people need the followers of Jesus to step into pain. That's what we're called to do. And so grief is a part of this, right? I've heard the word grief and lament and trauma. That's been so much a part of what's described. Not only what's happened here, but I can get into a taxi in the middle of where I live right now in Saudi Arabia, or I can, you know, when I was in Thailand and I would just talk to people on the street, you just say the word COVID, and it doesn't matter how rich or poor, where you live in the world, it's an immediate connection. And there's always some kind of grief or loss, separation that is associated with it. So grief, as we step into the grief and we provide comfort for people in the midst of that, as you experience God's comfort in the midst of your grief, as you name it and name the losses, that's the good news of the gospel in your life and in the lives of others around you. It's so important to validate and to name that grief. And you know, many of us were taught that we should push it down, suppress it. And I actually believe that your generation is, does this so much better than my generation. That you guys are willing to face the hard things and to say it and to claim it and to validate it with each other. And I wanna encourage you to keep doing that because there are people around you, instead of avoiding the pain in their lives, they need you to ask and to see how they're doing, and to come along and be a presence of comfort in their lives, because that is the gospel at work. That is what Isaiah says. So how do you live out that gospel mission through comfort in pain and grief in your context right now? But we can't stop at grieving, right? Martin Seligman is the former American Psychological Association's president, and this is what he says. He says, the most common response to adversity is not trauma, but resilience. 
It's not trauma. We hear about trauma all the time as if that's the first response that we as humans have. But actually, God created human beings that in the midst of adversity, he actually created our bodies to survive. We have a survival instinct in us, and that is resilience. And so we know that scientifically, the, one of the most proven ways to cultivate resilience in the midst of grief and heartache and trauma and adversity is through gratitude, right? That gratitude is the way. And I you know this, right? We know that giving thanks, being grateful, right? Scripture talks about this, that that is the way that we negotiate our grief. And yet so many times I hear, um, you know, I hear people often say, especially in Christian circles, things like, I'm sad, but, but I'm thankful, right? I'm struggling, but God is good. And as soon as you use the word but in the middle of those two different phrases, you negate the first part of that. We can't be people of the word who walk around saying, oh, you're really sad, that's great, but you know what, God is good. That is not bringing comfort in grief. Grief needs to be validated and named. And so instead, I think we need to be saying, I am sad and I am thankful. Because grief and gratitude can be lived simultaneously in our lives. They both exist. We don't have to choose one or the other. And I think Ecclesiastes is a great place where we see this. And this has been a place in my own life where I've just had to experience the fact that, yeah, there's a lot of sorrow and there's a lot of joy. So when you look at Ecclesiastes 3, and I call this kind of the accepting the end, I've always thought Ecclesiastes 3 was this thing, like there's a time for everything, right? A season for every activity under heaven. That there's a time to be planted and a time to be uprooted, a time to be born and a time to die. And I've always thought of those things as two consecutive things, things that happen after another. First you're born, then you die. Sometimes you're planted, other seasons you're uprooted. But what if it were true that actually Solomon used the word and in there because he was saying, you know what, there are times when we are, born, we are being born and dying at the exact same time. What if it's true that there are times when we are feeling planted and uprooted at the same time? What if there's being a tearing down and a building up? Time to laugh and a time to mourn. I want you to consider even in your own lives right now, is it possible that two very paradoxical statements could be true of you, that you could be experiencing grief and gratitude, that you could say, I'm sad and I'm thankful? That's the kind of hope we need to be bringing into the world right now, not just mired in grief alone, not a Pollyannic Christianity that just says everything is good, but one that can hold the tension of both grief and joy together. That is what we offer to the world as followers of Jesus. Because the fact is, is that when you think of the cross, of what it is that we, who we follow, the cross is a very example where we experience both grief and joy. I love the fact that the Eucharist actually comes from the word Eucharistio, which means it's that time when Jesus broke the bread and he gave thanks. That's what Eucharistio means, he gave thanks. 
And it's from that that every time we take of the cup and of the bread and we remember the cross, that it's in that moment that we experience that simultaneous paradoxical life and human experience. We, ha- we see it in the cross and in the life of Jesus. So I just want to ask you today, when you think about your own lives, when you think about the people that you love and care for, the people that you are next to in your classes and in your work, can you sense it? Do you sense just the heaviness and the weariness of people around you? Do you also feel just the longing for something more than what they're experiencing? A longing for a greater hope, a longing for greater peace. That's where we can come in as a body of Christ around them to be missional in the world. And so what I'd like to do is I just want to take a moment right now, and I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. We're just going to take a moment to reflect. And I am going to read through these, this just short section of Ecclesiastes 3. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit right now to, to reveal to you, to help something resonate in here about which of these pairs most describes where you are today and in this moment. And let's just open ourselves to what God is doing in terms of grief and gratitude. Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Which of those pairs speaks to you? How can you live in the and of that, to embrace both, to not negate one nor the other? It has helped me, actually, in the season. Often I find myself, I am struggling, but, and I have to stop myself, and I say, you know what, I'm struggling, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And somehow it elicits hope in me a hope for an uncertain future and what's ahead. And I hope that it can do the same for you. So even as you reflect on that for yourself, I guess I want to leave you with this question of how will you be missional in your life this, in this season when people around you are struggling and grieving and lamenting and traumatized? How will you step in and be an incarnational and authentic presence into somebody today 
into somebody that you care about, where you could say, hey, how are you really doing? How can you reach out to somebody who might be living way overseas somewhere, maybe a missionary that you know, maybe a friend that's studying abroad, local and global, who you could offer a word of genuine, authentic honesty to say, it's hard and it'll be okay. This is the time where we need to be a healing presence in the world. It doesn't have to be the four spiritual laws and going out and bringing people into salvation to say, Jesus, Jesus. But we ourselves are incarnational presences in the lives of others. And as we step more fully into that, the world is healed. And when the world is healed, they know and can experience the goodness and the grace of God and what Jesus has to offer for eternal hope and salvation. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for Acts 1-8. I thank you for this picture of drawing us into who is around us right in our very context and helping us to look beyond our borders into the world whether it's here in the United States or in Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, Middle East, North Africa, wherever it is that we are placed right now. May we be faithful to the call of being anointed with the good news that binds up the brokenhearted, that releases prisoners from darkness, that brings comfort in grief, that comes alongside the hurting, and offers the and of both grief and joy that comes, that's demonstrated through the cross and the resurrection. I pray for each student in here that you would call them to go beyond looking inward and help them to look outward to who is around them and into the world. For your name's sake, for your gospel's sake, in Jesus' name, amen. I was going to say I brought these cards, too, that has Ecclesiastes 3. I'm just going to put them in the back, so if people want to take them, they can do that, too. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, my name is David Kim. I'm the leader of the uh, Global Missions, and I was asked to pray for our guest speakers and missionaries, so... Um, quick note, Revelation 7, 9, 10 speaks of all of us being in heaven to speak, to praise God in all, all the nations and all languages. And I'm so glad I'm going to hear that song again at the end. We will all hear that song because of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, for you are great and you are good. Your love is everlasting. It is both wide and deep. Wide because it is available everywhere and deep because you know the depths of our souls and what we need. Thank you so much for Pat, Tip, and Grace to speak to us from the regions of how God has, um, for how you have uh, met them and how have you have saved them and have you spoken to them and also used them greatly. So I humbly and boldly ask that you may bless them right now, comfort them right now, and to see that they are loved by you immensely. Second, I humbly and boldly ask that the church may also love them, may also pray for them, and also equip them 
to do your work. And I humbly and boldly ask that we may all see what you are saying to us today to let the Holy Spirit stir inside of us so that we can go out to the ends of the earth and proclaim your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.